Here we go. You're listening to the Rumination Law and Gospel on this Thursday, June the 15th in the year of our Lord, 2023. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and I'm very proud of Pastor Wes Reimnitz. Hi, Wes. <laughs> Hi, Tom. I'm proud of you, too. Proud. That's what we're going to yeah. be talking about today. Pride. pride. How does the world look at the word pride today, according to our email that we received from a Christina Fox? Well, when you think of, uh, of what you hear the word pride, in our culture, it's often seen as a good thing. You know, for example, we might say take pride in your work or you're showing school pride. Be true to yourself and who you are is considered self-pride and is both affirmed and encouraged. For instance, uh, the dictionary describes pride as both reasonable self-esteem or exaggerated self-esteem. Now, we, of course, agree that at such times there is too much pride and everybody knows it when they see it. Can you think of some things from literature that shows us too much pride? Well, there's Shakespeare's Macbeth, his desire for power and how it led to his downfall, or yep. Napoleon and his pride. That resulted in his defeat in the battle with Russia and then we've got that pride of Milton's paradise lost. What does he describe? Well, he describes the pride of Satan when he revolted against God and declared, better to reign in hell than to serve in heaven. See, that's an attitude of Satan that a lot of people don't recognize, that he would prefer to reign in hell than serve in Satan. Why does he have that attitude? Who does he really hate? Uh, I say he really hates Jesus. Yes, he really hates Jesus. In fact, we need to make a distinction between the way culture describes pride and the way the Bible describes pride. What does the Bible equate pride with? Well, it equates it with sin. And uh, as you've often stated, what's the middle word, middle letter of sin? Yeah, the center of sin is I, and the center of pride is I. Oh. I, I once asked in a... Uh, lecture I was doing uh, before a whole bunch of Lutherans, what is the center of supercalifragilisticexpialidocious? And immediately they answered, well, it must be the letter I. And I said, no. Why? Why because that? there is no middle to that word. <laughs> It's an equal number of letters. And with an equal number of letters, you don't have a center letter. <laughs> it was just a kind of a, a, a joke. 
but the Bible. You spend the whole day just thinking about that one. No, no, no. It was a joke I had talked about about my wife and stuff, and so that's where I got it from. We have been looking at the book of Proverbs on uh, Tuesdays quite a bit. Is there anything in Proverbs that talks about pride as sin? Well, in Proverbs 8 and also in Proverbs 16, one of the reasons I selected the article, because you've been covering it in Bible class with one of the congregations you're involved with, in Proverbs 8, wisdom calls out in the streets to anyone who would heed her call. Um, she cries out that the fear of the Lord is, is hatred of evil, pride and arrogance in the way of the evil, perverted speech, I hate. Now, that's the words of God himself in talking about the pride and arrogance as a way of evil. How does Proverbs 16, verse 18 talk about it? Well, it's one that's very familiar to us. This pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. A lot of people don't realize that the Bible says, especially in Proverbs, etc., that every time you sin, there will be a negative consequence to it that God permits, and he may even initiate. And that was a good example that when somebody is haughty or pride, it can lead to a fall. In fact, even Jesus talks that way in Mark 7. What does he say? Well, for within, out of the heart, a man comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. So it's very clear that pride is one of the foremost ways of describing sin. And that sin can go all the way from sexual immorality to actually envy against someone. And, and that's all uh, a portion of pride. In fact, is not pride considered the root of the first sin? How so? That's what I was gonna say. In Genesis 3, the, the devil twisted the truth when he tempted Eve in the garden. He told her that God was keeping her from sin all that he, she could be, that God was holding out to her. When she saw the tree, she was the, the desire to make one wise. She ate the forbidden fruit, and then Adam ate with her, sinning against God's command, ushering in the fall of mankind. Now, that's really important, how Satan gets us to sin, because he tempted Eve by telling her that God was keeping her from being all that she could be. In fact, he said, you could be like God, knowing the distinction between good and evil. And therefore, unfortunately, from that moment on, 
we all center our lives around ourselves. We make God's wisdom small in our eyes. We exalt ourselves above God and above others. How is pride arrogance? Well, pride thinks it knows better and is better. Pride sets itself up in, in the first place. It bows to no one. Uh, as C.S. Lewis wrote in one of his writings, pride is spiritual cancer. It eats up every possibility of love or contentment or even common sense. Now, that is important that it bows to no one but itself. And we've been saying that quite a bit on Law and Gospel, that God does not measure a work as being good or not by its outcome, but rather by its motivation. Mm -hmm. So two people can be feeding the poor, but the one person does so out of love for Jesus Christ because Christ has fed us. We therefore feed those who need to hear the word of God. Whereas some people will help feed people to make themselves look good in the eyes of others or gives them a sense of good feeling. And that is really arrogance, as you said. I think that's an important point that you really bring up because I've often heard that said, well, you know, are the, is that, I'll ask the question, is that person Christian? And they go, well, I don't know, but they do nice things. Yes. Yes. Um, Satan is thought to have done nice things from Adam and Eve's point of view in reporting to them that they could become like God. And so that's how we are tempted by not only sin, not only by the world, not only by our flesh, but also by the devil. So pride is not only understood as arrogance, it is the opposite of humility. And how does Proverbs talk about that? Well, you got three passages from, from uh, Proverbs. In Proverbs 11, when pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with the humble is wisdom. Before the, and then in Proverbs 18, before destruction, a man's heart is haughty. But humility comes before honor. And then in Proverbs 29, one's pride will bring him low, but the one who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. The one who is lowly in spirit. What does that mean, lowly in spirit? Well, the proud lives with, as though they're kings in their own kingdom, whereas the humble recognizes that they're the creature of the king of kings. Yes. So being lowly in spirit means to have a sense of humility. Jesus certainly had a sense of humility. God is God. We are not. 
he made us, we belong to him. We are dependent upon God for all things. That's life and breath and everything else. That's according to Acts 17, verse 25. All we have, all that we are, is because of his grace. Now, this is something that a lot of people don't understand. When God humbles the proud, what motivation is he using? And that was interesting. Uh, it's an act of his grace. Yes. So how can a person be humbled as an act of grace? Can you think of an example? Well, when God allows us from time to time to live out a false reality, that we are kings of our own universe and universe eventually the truth is made known and we come face to face with the fact that we are not in control that's right we'll lose all that we want to cling to uh, we come to the end of ourselves our kingdom that we have created will be destroyed and we will be left with nothing and that's what it means that pride comes before a fall. Therefore, when God humbles the pride, it is an act of his grace because his grace gives us that which we don't deserve in contrast to his justice that gives us what we deserve. So when we reach that moment of emptiness, what opportunity do we have? Well, we have the opportunity to repent and yield to the work of the Spirit in our lives. In doing so, we cast aside our crown and bow before the King and submit to His Lordship. That's called sanctification. So, in Christ, we are justified. We are declared righteous, not because of our work so, but because we believe the promises connected to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And therefore, that's how the Holy Spirit moves us to put off pride. The Apostle Paul speaks about that, doesn't he? Quite often, but one of the familiar ways uh, he talks about those who trust in Christ by faith follow his, his ways. We are to live, you know, our life with Christ as an example. And in Philippians 2, 2, he calls us to live in humility as Jesus did. How did Jesus live in humility? Well, most importantly, he, he left the glories of heaven and took on human flesh and lived life that we could not live and died the death that he we deserved. I'm always taken back to the baptism of Jesus with John's repentance, baptism of repentance that Jesus there at that time took the sins of all mankind on his shoulders. Exactly. And therefore, that's very important that he took on human flesh. We call that incarnation. 
that's when the second person of the Trinity, and we learn that with the Athanasian Creed, that he became human for one purpose, that he could live a life we could not live, which meant he was sinless, and he died a death that we deserved, which meant he died for our sins. And therefore, because of what Christ has done for us, and because of the Holy Spirit's work in us, what result is there? Well, we can turn from our pride and instead live in humility, honoring others and above ourselves. Is there a Bible verse that backs that up? Well, of course there is. In Philippians chapter 2, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not account equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking it on the form of a human being, born in the likeness of man, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Now, this is the mind that we are to have also, that even though Jesus was incarnate, he still was in the form of God and did not count equality with God a thing that he had to grasp. So he wasn't doing perfect good works and dying on the cross to become like God. He already was God, but he took mm -hmm. on the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. And in that way, he humbled himself. And the word humble there doesn't mean humiliation. But what it's referring to is the fact that he took upon himself the form of a human being for the purpose of dying for human beings. So is there ever a time that the Bible can speak of pride in a good way? Well, there is. We might think of good pride, a pride that's not focused on on ourselves. And you go to Romans chapter 15, Paul speaks about the work of Christ in him. He describes his work as, as the beginning of the gospel to the Gentiles and writes in Christ Jesus, then I have reason to be proud of my work for God. Now that is a really critical point that he is not proud of himself, but he's proud of his work for God. Because how did the Apostle Paul get to be working for God? <laughs> it took a, an intervention on the, on the road to Damascus, Christ entering into his life. Yes. And he became apostle to the what? To the Gentiles. Exactly. And therefore, 
he says in verse 17 of Romans 15, in Christ Jesus then, I have reason to be proud of my work for, for God. So he exhorts the Philippian church to follow in the humility of himself. And again, in chapter two, verse 16, he uses the word pride or proud again. What does he say? Well, holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. So we also can have godly pride. Godly pride is not something that is contrary to the Bible. But the distinction is that we're taking pride in the work of Jesus Christ, that he has permitted us to be messengers to others. How can parents deal with that? Well, they can have a godly pride in their labors. They can tell a child that we are proud of their efforts in school and rejoice in how that the Lord uses us to grow in that ministry. Exactly. It's very important that parents not only bring children to church and Sunday school and vacation Bible school, but what should they be doing at home? Well, they take time to pray with them, have devotions with them, uh, explain questions. Uh, you know, every so often I'll get a phone call from from uh, the family, and uh, the one grandson's always asking questions from the Bible, and they say, We'll go to Grandpa, and Grandpa will answer the questions from the Bible. Yes. When I was growing up, we had dinner together. And at the end of dinner, Dad would read a little Bible story, and then we were allowed to leave the table after we would answer a question. Now, the questions were pretty obvious if you listen to the Bible story. So I became... And my brothers, we really knew the Bible stories pretty good. And it was fun in Sunday school where I would sometimes correct the Sunday school teacher, you know, who hadn't had a class with the pastor about the lesson and tell them, no, this is really what the lesson is. And that was because of my training under my parents. My, my dad had been president of the congregation, Sunday school superintendent. My mother was very involved in the what we call the ladies' aid. And we would have people come over to our house for, for Bible study. And that was always a good time to listen to what they were saying. So there is such a thing as good pride. We can have godly pride in our own labors when we're talking about Jesus Christ. Is it arrogance to think that we can do anything, anything apart from God? Yeah. I mean, it's he who created us. It's he who sustains us. Uh, we need to humble ourselves before the Lord and live in dependence upon his grace. It's kind of a reminder that, you know, 
when we say pride leads to destruction, the, also the, the road before us is, is uh, Jesus Christ, who watches every step of our way. Yes, the reason I told you I was proud of the articles that you uh, present for our program is because they're all focused on Jesus Christ. So many articles are focused on the pride of our doing good works and trying to get Christians to be better people. No, the message of Christianity is you are better than a better person because you have received the gift of the forgiveness of sins and justification. How can you get better than that? You can't. It's just so much living a life before Jesus and believing in him. It's, it's all the way through the scriptures. We look at Philippians. I was looking at Galatians chapter 3, and he was talking about that. Then, in faith, we're, we're all one person. And God is colorblind to to who, whoever we are. He's looking to see if there's faith in the heart. Yes, this is really important to understand that colorblindness because we're living in a society where there are some people who think that white people have a better life than colored people. But from God's point of view, that's not true at all. We all have problems, and we all need the comfort of Jesus Christ to get through those problems. And that comes about by hearing the Word of God, and not just the law, which shows us where we are going wrong, but particularly the gospel. And that distinction between law and gospel is really important. Is that something you have in mind when you do sermons? Oh, yes. It kind of all goes back to John chapter 3, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Yep. Well, we thank you very much for this article on pride, knowing that there is a sinful pride, but there also can be a blessed pride when we trust in Jesus Christ as our Savior. I'm Tom Baker, and you've been listening also to Wes Reimnitz. Join us next week, and tomorrow we'll continue to talk. God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check out to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132 or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.